What's going on, Javi Lobby? This Javier Javier. I want to first start off by saying happy holidays to each and every single one of you. I hope that you have a wonderful holiday. A lot of changes are coming in this new year. Um, I'm sure for you and, of course, for myself. Um, I've been going through a transition. For those of you who don't know, I recently got my real estate license and been focused heavily on that. So forgive me if I have not put out any episodes as frequently as I used to. But I'm going to get on a regular schedule and we're going to get things rolling that way. For those of you who follow me on YouTube, the Javier Javier show is going to be changing. And the name of that is going to be the Hobby Lobby. I'm going to change it to the Hobby Lobby. I thought that was the best thing to go with. With It will also come with a new uh, design, a new profile picture, a new banner on the channel and some different graphics and things like that when I do my live streams. But the YouTube channel is mainly going to be focused on music video reactions and movie reactions and, you know, breakdowns and things of that sort. So I'm really excited about that. But on the political side or the religious side and things of that sort, it's mainly going to be on the podcast and the members get access to it first and the Patreon supporters get access to it. And I'll be doing a few extra things for those people on the Patreon and for the members of the channel. And I will release the podcast episode of it on the podcast after those members get it, maybe a few days afterwards, give them special access and early access to it. But if you're listening to the podcast, nothing really changes. You're still going to get what you've been getting from me for the most part. And I'm going to be able to speak more freely and be able to have discussions that I may could not have had on my YouTube channel. And that's why I wanted to separate the two. So just wanted to give y'all a heads up on that. So if you follow me on YouTube and you follow me for the political stuff, I ask that you take the time to subscribe to the podcast or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash the Hobby Lobby. And you can also join the membership of the YouTube channel, the Hobby Lobby, which will soon be the Hobby Lobby. And you can get access to it there as well. Also, if you want to join the conversation, you want to interact with other members or followers and people who subscribe to the channel or the podcast, I highly recommend that you go check out the Discord server. If you don't have a Discord um, account, I highly recommend that you go ahead and set one up and join the Hobby Lobby Discord. A lot of good conversations over there. You can share your music, your political views, and just engage with other people and have great discussions. So, all of those links are in the description, so definitely check out the links in the description. That's where you'll find all of my links, and you'll be able to decide where you want to sign up at and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, with that out of the way, I just wanted to jump in and get those, you know, done. And for those people who already support me, I want to give you a, a major thank you, a major thank you, because you are the select few at this moment who... Uh, appreciate the content enough to support me. And I love that about you. And I want to make sure that I continuously give you great content and upgrade as time goes on. So today I want to discuss this video. Uh, it's basically African-Americans versus Africans talking about slavery. Um, it's on the Jubilee Network, something that came across me. So um, I, I want to check it out and we can have this discussion, see where it leads. So let's get this party started. Me coming from Africa, I came here to better my life and i feel like personally we need to stop using the word racism to when we don't get something or when something don't go our way and just so let me jump trying. in real quick no disrespect but racism exists and i have to acknowledge it and i can't just ignore it but what i can do is not buy into the system 
middle ground. Step forward if you agree. Slavery affected my family. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just evident in my last name, King. I mean, that's... Here's the thing about the question, right? It says that slavery, has slavery affected my family? Well, when you say family, what necessarily do you mean by family? Like, I have aunties and uncles and cousins that I really don't consider to be family. They're like extended family, but they're not somebody I consider to be family. If you ask me who is my family, I'd probably say my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, or, you know, things of that sort. But a lot of people, they don't necessarily get along with the people in their actual blood relative family today, but yet they will claim to have some kind of ownership or some kind of ties to the ancestors who went through certain things. And they want to adopt that into their oppression and consider them to be family. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. And I, re I realize that most black people shouldn't subscribe to that, nor should any white people. I don't want, ever want to hear white people say my family in ancient Egypt or ancient Rome or something like that went through this and therefore it affects me right now. It's like, okay, at what point and at what level can you prove that? You know, how can you tie it directly to why your life is the way that it is today? The brand of the slave owner that put that name on my family all those years ago, and I'm still wearing it in those ways, along with the compounded, you know, economic disparity, social disparity, mental trauma, all of that. I mean, it's in, it's it's tethered forever. It's, it's, if you always pay attention, it's always kind of like tied in with a bunch of different things. It's always like, okay, mental health, physical health, economic health. There's always these multitude of platitudes that they combine together to say that affects me personally. Yet all the countless people who have ancestors who were slaves, including white people, there are countless people or examples that you can point to to say, well, how come they are in the same position as you? And why are they overcoming and achieving, whereas you're not? I would really be curious to find that out. And I would like their explanation. And of course, they're going to say, well, Javier, everybody was infected, affected differently. Everybody has different opportunities or whatever the case may be. Well, guess what? That was going to happen regardless of slavery. That was going to happen regardless of how history unfolded. Some people were going to be luckier than other people. Some people were going to be more unlucky. But for the life of me, to... To define something that happened 300 years ago or that started 300 years ago and say that in 2022, going on 2023, that you somehow are directly impacted by this, I don't think most of these people even know who their great, 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 great grandparent was. So to go back to slavery and talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, um, it has never stopped. So there is no post. What my great grandparents were teaching my grandparents who taught my mother, who taught me, came from what they learned through slavery. So there's a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity, a fear of society, a fear of law enforcement. So slavery has made a major impact where the low self-esteem is consistently reoccurring. I'm really curious why it's always the negative. Did your ancestors have no positive qualities that, you know, the ability to fight the ability to overcome strength, the the need to become better or to fight for what was theirs, you know, that drive that allowed them to overcome their odds, that got them out of slavery, that helped them get out of the uh, Jim Crow laws and overcome with the Civil Rights Act. Like, what about all of those major achievements that, you know, persistence that came from your ancestors? 
Does any of that trickle down to you? Does any of that, or is it just the negative? I'm really curious. I think for me, growing up in Los Angeles, California, in the early 1960s, there was a stereotype that I didn't want to be black. I didn't want to be African because we come from Africa or we're slaves. So I want to be a Chinese boy. I want to be Bruce Lee. Um, so growing up like that, I, I didn't like myself and who I was. I didn't like the color of my skin or the way that I spoke. So I emulated other people. I want to be something that I was not. It's very saddening when you can literally only go back a couple generations and then it's like the documents just don't exist. There's no record. It's like, you know, my family has completely been erased. In that same point too, in the time that we've been here, we've created a incredible culture and we have so many things to be proud of. And I always reframe the narrative myself and I speak of my ancestors that were enslaved as, you know, doctors and healers. And it's like, you know, we were taken because we were talented, right? Because we had skills. <laughs> Y'all were taken because they were opportunistic and they wanted a good slavery, uh, a good slave. And they wanted a people they could control. And Africans seemed to fit that bill at the time. And then not only that, but there were Africans already being enslaved in Africa where it was easier to just translate those people from one culture to another culture because slavery is slavery. And that's how the white man probably saw it. You was more of a transaction than you were, oh, these Africans are really talented and really gifted and we can just let them shine. That was never the case. We want to work you. We want your bodies so that we can work you. That's why they came and got you. We built this country. so And still, still building. This idea, we built this country. You helped build this country. Well, your ancestors helped build this country. That is a fact. But also, many other people helped build this country. It wasn't just your ancestors. So we have to be careful not to be exclusive. Because at the same time, while you're trying to be seen as equal to everybody else in this country, you also got to understand that you need those other people to come along with the message. So if you want to move forward and have progress in this country where everybody sees other people as human beings, you're going to have to be inclusive with other cultures, other races at the same time. And a lot of times I see a lot of people overlooking that fact. And then they wonder why other people despise them or don't work with them because they're very exclusive in their in their messaging. And still building <laughs> and something to take pride in. So in the disagree step forward. Slavery didn't affect my family, but we did, but we did suffer a different type of slavery back home. Like we went to colonization. Like I, I am Bamileke. There was a, a massacre of Bamileke. You guys can like look it up. They killed like more than the Bamileke War is the name of the independent struggle between Bamileke, Cameroon's nationalist movement and France. The movement was spearheaded by the Cameroonian People Union. Even after independence, the rebellion continued, shaping contemporary politics. The war began with riots in 1955 and continued after Cape Town gained independence in 1960. 300,000. From Wikipedia. Of my people, because we didn't want to assimilate to, to the French culture. But it's still nothing compared to what you guys, ancestors, like, been through, you know? I wouldn't want to minimize that pain, though. What yeah. you just said hurt me. That See? He don't want to minimize the pain. This is the thing, right? Like, let's say here, I am in America. I was raised in the projects, me, myself personally. Uh, I'm pretty sure at some level, at some point, one of my ancestors or a few of them or all of them were slaves. When I was born into the world, you couldn't tell me the difference. I had no idea that my ancestors were slaves. If you have never told me that my ancestors were slaves, 
I don't see how that would have changed the decisions that I had to make or the decisions that I needed to make. Uh, a lot of times we take on an identity because we've been told about it and we've been told constantly over and over and over and over again um, this narrative. And yes, slavery existed. Slavery was horrible and nobody should ever think that slavery wasn't. But I think half of it is a story we're telling ourselves. We should definitely know that slavery existed so that we shouldn't repeat it. We should learn from history. But at the same time, people have adopted this slavery mentality and this identity and they can't separate the challenges they face today from the challenges that happened back then, right? And are there people who are heavily impacted by the past? Everybody's heavily impacted by the past. The question is, do you let the past, which you had no part in, define your future or your present? And that's what we're really talking about here. And I'm not saying anything new. It's just a constant reminder that needs to be said and need to be spoken about because there are constant people showing up, making the same narrative over and over and over again. And I really don't see it going anywhere. A hundred years from now, we're probably still going to be having this conversation, which I personally think is sad and necessarily harmful. 300,000 people were were killed because they would not conform to the colonization of the French people. So that is just as painful and hurtful as the, the trauma that we suffered here in America. I can't share the same experience that you have went through and your family, even though we also had our own type of slavery, we had apartheid at the time, you know, where the Dutch people took over and they wanted to just have South Africa, Namibia, and I think other countries where we could only just speak Dutch. It's somehow still happening even now. There's like a place in South Africa where it's called Orania, you know, and it's just Dutch people there. No black person is even allowed there. So we still somehow feel that oppression even now, but it's nothing compared to what your ancestral history, you know, has gone through. I'm somehow happy that you guys have forgiven it, even though you haven't forgotten it. Have you forgiven it? I mean, like the face, like... <laughs> I hope that they do touch on the fact that um, there were Africans who played a role in the, tr in the slave trade. I really do hope that that is the case. And I'm not... At the moment, I don't think any one of these people are necessarily um, crying or whining. I think they're just trying to express like, hey, you know, these things happened and we still see some of the effects of it today and the, the remnants of it. I'm not necessarily against that that conversation. Um, nobody right now is saying that I can't do something or I'm unable to do something because of what happened in the past so far. Yeah, but me personally, no, I haven't. Um, but I want to work through the change. But no, I have not forgiven because it's a system that's still going on. And from what I'm hearing from you guys, there's a system that's still going on in Africa as well. And it's, uh, and it's a war on us. Racism is the main cause of poverty among black people in America. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Racism is a very big issue that talking about it, I'm really trying to be careful to not like say anything that will be insensitive. If opportunity is right here, they will give it to people of other race than African-American and Africans too. So if there's a job that... Africans and African-Americans are not the same. Africans and African-Americans are not the same. Africans and African-Americans are not the same. No matter how many times people will try to tell you this, Africans and African-Americans are not the same. Africans are made up of many different countries, many different cultures, many different languages, whereas African-Americans 
Not so. African-Americans do not own any countries. African-Americans do not speak multiple languages because they were, you know, they had different geographical areas. African-Americans are just that Americans who are descendants of Africans. But at the same time, there's a different breed. There's a whole different culture, a whole different slang, a whole different mentality. They're not the same. And even when Africans come over to America, you can clearly see a distinction between Africans and African-Americans, even just by the way they speak. Maybe have mass requirement. I feel like they'll pick an Asian person or they believe, oh, African-Americans will not dress appropriate. So they will pick another person. They will always like pick people that are not black over people that are black. And I also think, um, I think the crucial like missing point when we talk about economic disparity Time. Time is the most valuable currency. And if you have like a stock that's like the American dream is the stock. And, you know, during all that time, all that asset, the American dream was appreciating. And you're not allowed to take out business loans. You're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to write. You have to first fight to become three-fifths of a citizen. Then you got Jim Crow and then you got everything else. It's like you're now having to buy in at a price so high because the time is irreparable. You can't get that back. I would like to understand how they address the fact that there are people who grow up dirt poor or people who don't have generational wealth who become millionaires and billionaires. Because I think majority of the world's newest millionaires and billionaires are not people who started off with generational wealth, who started off millionaire kids and things of that sort. And we've even seen cases where people with wealth can become poor or people with wealth can lose their wealth. There are a lot of decision makings that go in the process. Are there situations where certain people can foster or, you know, develop their growth, whereas in other cases you can't? That is true. There are places in the projects where you cannot read on the same level as somebody who grows up in, in the suburbs because you live around around people who don't value that. People who will shun you for speaking um, properly. There are a lot of different things within certain communities that can hinder somebody from becoming who they truly can be. But nowadays, it are it isn't the white people coming in the neighborhoods doing that. In most cases, it's other black people that's preventing that young black child from growing up to be all he can be. And yeah, if you want to address racism or slavery, we can do that. But I want you to also address all of these negative influences and all of these bad people in these neighborhoods that prevent young black minds from prospering and becoming the best they can be right here, right now, which is the most pressing. But where's the panels for that? One black person today cannot in one lifetime achieve what generations of white families were able to do simply because they didn't have to compete with us to do it. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you totally. Like, Yeah. I was thinking, just like you said, from a historical standpoint, we start with slavery. Then that we don't start with slavery. Why did we start with slavery? Why slavery? Why not before slavery? What happened before slavery? Are you 100% sure that without slavery, you would be better off than right now? I'm really curious. And if you do believe that, what evidence do you have? How can you even possibly begin to know that? Let's say slavery, let's say white people never came to Africa and never took slaves. What about the Arab slave trade that was going on at the time? People were still enslaving other people in Africa. And you can say, well, it wasn't the same type of slavery. Even then, were the slaves in Africa given the ability to rise up and be all that they could be? I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Like, 
you could be the descendants of the slaves that were in Africa and you still might not be any better off. You don't know. You might not even be here. That's centuries, generations of stolen labor, like you said. Then we get into Jim Crow, which is just an extension of that. Then we have redlining, we have mass incarceration, we have events like the bombing of Tulsa and Rosewood in Florida and all these different examples of our wealth being decimated. And I don't say that to come from a defeatist or a victim mindset, but I think if we just have an honest conversation about history and what we've gone through when we've been here, um, racism is definitely a big part of that. And I'm really curious the difference. Like, I appreciate him saying that he's not coming from a victim mindset, but I really would know, like to know the difference between him and me. I really want to know, like, I rarely ever think about slavery. I rarely ever think about Jim Crow. I rarely ever think about those things. Those things don't even play a factor in the decisions I make on a day-to-day -day basis. I never have to wrestle with those things. Now, there have been times where, like, I'm reacting to a video or a family member or a friend bring up these subjects and we have these discussions. But I've never made a decision in my life where I felt like I was having to make that decision because of slavery or Jim Crow or redlining or things of that sort. I never even think of it in those terms. And let's say I had to make those decisions because of those things. But my mentality, how you think can determine how you behave and how you express yourself out in the world. And we do not know that the difference between me and this guy could mean the world of difference all because we think differently. How much of your thinking determines your success? We don't know. But I can tell you one thing. I got this far not worrying about some of the things that he's worrying about. So it can be done. Can it be done by everybody? No. But everybody can't do everything. But the people who can should. And the ones who can't, then we have to have a different route for them. We have to find a way to reach them somehow differently. But let alone should we feed into their excuses or feed into, oh, you're only this way because of this and that. that. Like, I understand these things happen, but let's not focus on those things. Let's focus on what you can do. Right? Right here, right now. Because guess what? One thing about it, two things for sure. None of that is going to change. None of that. Even if white people all came together collectively, apologized and gave reparations, you will never be able to change what happened in the past. And I can guarantee you, even if they did that, you will still have black people complaining it's not enough or it still doesn't change the fact that my ancestors were slaves. You're going to have those people. There are a lot of successful black Americans, a lot of millionaires, a lot of, you know, business owners, but they're exceptions for sure for a reason. Um, and there's a big difference between income and wealth. I would like to challenge the ideal that African-Americans are lazy or that we don't have a good work ethic. I think there's this perception that, you know, we're here, we're in America. How are we not doing better for ourselves? So you can challenge it, but I don't think anybody realistically or anybody intelligent will think that black Americans as a whole are lazy. I don't think anybody thinks that. We've got clear-cut examples of African-Americans who go above and beyond and achieve things beyond what anybody might consider, you know, possible. We had a African-American president who was half white, to be fair. Um, we have many black uh, athletes and hip-hop artists and, um, you know, lawyers, doctors, judges. You know, there are there are scientists. Look at Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, there are people who have shown that black people are capable of these things then you have to address the fact that there is a certain portion of the black community who aren't achieving those things. And then you have to ask the question, why? Some of them are lazy. You can't just admit that there are white people who are lazy. 
Yeah, but anybody who thinks that just because your skin color is one way, that makes you somehow lazy, yeah, that's racist, but I don't think those people exist on the large numbers that you should be concerned about. I thought I was going to be the only one staying. I was going to be like, oh, I'm about to be like Kanye West. But <laughs> okay, there's a lot of things we can use on a, as an excuse to hold us back, to not, uh, not to reach our potential. But it's up to us to look past that. You know, like me okay. coming from Africa, I came here to better my life, my family. I'm the only one here. And since I have been here, there's a lot of bad things that happened to me. There's also a lot of good things that happened to me. As African or African-American, we need to like look past like racism and like, just focus on our own goal. Like, what do we want to achieve? I agree with this brother right here. I agree with him wholeheartedly. And I can guarantee you that mentality is going to take him a lot further. Trust me on that. And to stop using the word racism to when we don't get something or when something don't go our way and just keep trying. You know, let me jump in real quick. No disrespect, but racism exists. Here it is. Here it is. Ask yourself, look at the statistics and tell me the different outcomes among Africans and African-Americans. Now, there are going to be people who are going to say, of course, Africans achieve more when they come over here because you're taking the cream of the crop who was able to get here in the first place. And you're you're you're, you're telling them to compete against African-Americans who's been here, and who's been suffering through oppression and all of that case. Right. Regardless, look at the mindset. Look at the mentality. I can guarantee you that this brother here is probably going to end up much further than the other brother who's about to, you know, challenge him on this. And look, you can say he's right. You can say the uh, other guy's right. But we're talking about what gets you the best outcome. See, we can talk about who's right and who's wrong. But then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. It matters what is your outcome. We're looking at outcomes. And I have to acknowledge it and I can't just ignore it. But what I can do is not buy into the system. You know, if I want to do something, let me be the entrepreneur. What I believe happened in the 1960s is that we started looking for equal rights to be equal with other people. And what we stopped doing, and I heard you talk about Tulsa, we stopped using the black owned businesses now because you guys got to understand the Fair Housing Act in 1968. I'm five years old. That's when we could move off the east side of L.A. and move into other subcultures. So what I wanted to do at eight years old was go to IHOP. I didn't want to go to the Ma and Pa restaurant anymore. I want to go to let's go eat at the hotels. Who fought is that? It's black people's fault. They decided when they got the freedom to go here and go where or whatever, they decided to take they, they dollar and go to the white people. Now, that's complete. You got to own that. You got to own that. Somebody going to come up and say, oh, would it be conditional? I'm not trying to hear that. You got to be accountable for your decisions when you have the decisions to make. But let's put it even further. Let's say that a lot of black people don't want to shop at black-owned businesses today. Why is that? Is it because we're racist against ourselves? Some people will argue that. I don't believe that. I really do believe that the reason that a lot of black people don't shop at black owned businesses is because they might not get the same customer care or the same quality or the same attention. Look, I've tried to shop at black owned businesses and it was not a good experience. I know some people who are pro black who try to shop nothing but black and still complain about some of the services they get from black owned businesses. Now there are some black owned businesses that are exceptional and you should definitely you know, go where the exceptional products and services are. 
And if it happens to be a black person's uh, own business, kudos to you. But I'm not finna shop with you because of your skin color. I'm finna go get whatever I think is the most for my money. That's economics one-on-one, right? You want to get the most value for your money. So what we did is stop supporting each other and started supporting corporate America. So the racism plays a major part, but we don't have to buy into it. I have been waiting to disagree with you, my brother. <laughs> I've been, I'm waiting patiently. The thing is, even though I want to disagree with you, I get where you're coming from. When I see black people talking about racism, all that stuff, I'd be like, what is wrong with these people? You guys have food, you have EBT, all this thing. And you're here shouting about somebody's racist. You just leave that person and move on. Ooh. I feel that way. Like, why are they always like complaining? That's how Africans really feel, bro. That's how they really feel. The truth is coming out. I'm glad they're talking about it, right? When I came into this, I didn't know who I was going to agree with, disagree with. I was just coming in like, yo, I want to check this out. And I want to get my thoughts on it and see how it goes. But that's the truth. There are so many Africans who feel that way. I talk to black people who live in Britain and they feel like, oh, black men this and black women that. Like, there is a, a mentality. White people are the only ones who have stereotypes or perceive the black community a certain way. Every other community has a feeling about the black community in certain aspects as well. You're going to think that, okay... What did the white people brainwash all the Africans, all the Asians, and all everybody else, the Native Americans and the 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 the, the Latinos? Like you're gonna you're gonna make that claim as well? Like, listen. But when Black Life Matters started happening, like I sat down, I said, I need to actually know why these people are pained. And if we look at the history, what they've done to them, like if you actually sit down, watch some documentaries, how they were maltreated, how the, I don't think if I'm actually born, I will forgive those people. I don't care. It's easier for us Africans that were raised in Africa to feel like they're complaining because we were raised through struggle. Like I barely even have water and you, you have water, you're complaining. But then it's not about the basic necessity. Yes, it is. It's about purview. It's about purview. I can promise you 100%, if you took all the ancestors of black people who were in slavery and you brought them to today's time, they probably wouldn't complain. They might be a little irritated about this and that and nitpicky here and there, but I can guarantee you they'd be more than happy to live today than they did back then. They'd be much happier than the African-Americans that live today. I can guarantee you that much. Yeah, perception matters. And it's for those people who have the right perception to remind the people with the wrong perception, hey, man, consider this. We don't have water. Y'all have water. Y'all have food in y'all fridge. A lot of y'all got cell phones, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you name it. Like, you got to put things in perspective. And the only way to put things in perspective is have somebody outside looking in and being able to have that conversation. See, or about how we are raised. We are raised like... I don't want to say way better. We might not have resources, but there are some way, like our own um, people will not look down on us or put us behind. So it's in their, they're not sure that way. Like they just can't overlook it. And if you sit down. I can. Don't tell me what we can and can't do. I can. Watch everything. That and there are many other black people who are. That the, the forefathers have been through for you. I changed my mind. No, they need to be angry. However, oh, they Lord. should still move forward. I mean, we, we, we to keep throwing that caveat. However, they should still move forward. Like, bro, you can't have it both ways. Like, either you're going to fester in this, you're going to be angry and upset. 
then if you're angry and upset about something, that's where your attention is going to go. When you're angry and upset about something, you feel like it's being done wrong to you, then you feel like you have to focus on that to fix it. But then you can say you should still move forward. Like you're dividing your attention. Now, yeah, you could do two things at once, but when you have an injustice or oppression being happening to you, I think that that would take up most of your time, which is counterproductive to the other one. We have police brutality back home too. Sure. We have like, if you go to Cameroon and then you see how that police officer treat like treat us and they they black just like us, you're not even gonna believe it, you know. And in Cameroon we have this. Have you heard, have you guys heard of the word like tribalism? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. So, in yeah, so so we do get oppressed too. Mm, and I agree. So when I'm saying like we need to like look past that, I'm not saying forget what happened to you guys or me. At the end of the day, we cannot just sit and just grieve on the past. We have to be able to move on, but not forget. If I could choose a place to live, it would obviously be my country. I love my country, but right now, my country is not the best choice for me. There's a little genocide going on in Cameroon right now. So many innocent lives, lives are being taken. If I was still in my country, the opportunity that I have here, I would not have those opportunities there. All right, now there's something to be said here. Like I like this guy for the most part. Now, but, all right, I'm a strong believer. Like, if, if there is something happening in my country that's an injustice or oppression, or if another country came in and tried to, like, rule my country or whatever, as a man, I believe it is my fight. It is my fight. It is my, I have to stand strong. I have to fight for what I believe, and I have to protect my family. I have to protect my friends. I have to protect the people I love and care about. I have to protect the ideals that I want to see expressed in my country. I don't like the idea of men running away from their country or running away from their problems and leaving their loved ones or other people to suffer. That's why those people are allowed to get away with what they get away with. I'm perfectly happy laying down my life for those people I care about and love. And there are some people who are more than happy to lay down their lives for their country. And I would wish that whatever he does, I hope that it's in pursuit of freeing his country from whatever oppression that they're going through. I hope that he doesn't just, you know, tuck his tail and run and stay away because um, he's the man, you know, and call me sexist if you want. But I think that men are the only things standing between um, e other evil men. Hip hop reinforces stereotypes about the black community. Come on, everybody. Everybody. Come on, everybody. In South Africa, we have yeah. our own version of hip hop. So we call it Kwaito. So they would rap in our own language in different, we call it Venek. So back home, it kind of did reinforce some stereotypes because now when you go out in the world, people will just classify you under one group. And growing up, also looking at American entertainment, looking at the hip hop that's done here, I'm like, oh, well, you're rapping about drugs, you're rapping about this. Of course it's going to happen. Of course you're going to go to jail. But getting older, you see the culture as well of hip hop. I had to understand that there's a culture within that. I don't care nothing about the culture in hip hop. There are rappers and then there are gangster rappers. If you rap about selling drugs and, you know, mistreating women and you know, violence. I don't care anything about that. I'm not trying to protect. I'm not trying to preserve. I don't care anything about those guys. Those guys are a cancer that needs to be removed. Now, if you're using hip hop as a way to express, you know, your life and to, you know, reach other people and try to prevent them from going through what you're going through, use it as an art form and you're not putting out harmful things into the world, then hip hop can be amazing. You know, I enjoy a lot of hip hop that aren't 
you know, I consider it to be amazing, had some good messaging in it. But those people who spread poisonous messages, I, I'm not trying to see anything. Like, you have to remove the cancer. I was alive when hip-hop started, and it was, it was during a time where people rapped about what they saw, what they wanted, what they wanted in life. And then it became where people rapped about what they had been through, what they had gotten over, you know, used to sell drugs, used to hurt people, but now this is who they are. Um, and I think it's gotten into now, and in our day and age now, it's where people are glorifying and wanting to pretend that these are the things that they do on a daily basis when it's not. I think that rappers are to blame for this, but also the rappers who are doing this are to blame for it, but also the people who are encouraging them, the people who are making millions and billions of dollars off of this industry who are pushing this and knowing that it's having a negative impact on the black community and they're still getting rich off of it and they are not black. They also have something to, they have a part to play in this as well. And you can't call them out on it, but we have to hold everybody accountable. So it's not about what race they are. It's not about what gender they are. It's about who are the people who are directly being rewarded for this type of behavior and this type of nonsense being pushed to the black community. And everybody needs to be held accountable. The black people who listen to it and promote it, the black people who push the music and make the music and the, the producers and the, 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 the industry owners and profiteers and elites who make money off of it, they should all be like, they're all part of the cancer to me. So it went from storytelling so now, really, it's truly storytelling, but it's unhealthy for our culture. I don't want to on my radio, and all I'm hearing is I put a bullet in it, something, something. Like, I'm like, eh? That's what you would do. <laughs> no, like, and then it's like, it's all about like talking about female body type, the booty, the thing. Like, don't talk about my booty like that. So I don't want to listen to something that portray me as a female that way or something that is talking about how you put bullets in my head. Like, if you actually do not come to America and see for yourself, you will think that most African-Americans are carrying guns around and they just shoot randomly or they just grab your ass or something like that. That's the way the music portray them. And music is a very important element in our society because it influences a lot of people, both youngs and adults, and then they kind of see all those stuff and they act like that, even though that's not what they really want to be. They Don't tell white liberals this. I, I'm, I'm being fair. Not all white liberals, but there's this big, there's this trend in white liberalism that I've noticed with dealing with a lot of white liberals and having these conversations. They will not accept the fact that young black men are influenced and mimic these rappers that look up to these rappers and idolize them they will not accept the fact oh they're just telling a story i'm not buying that bro i've lived through that experience i've seen multiple people that look like me go through the same experience hip-hop is one of the most prevalent forces within the black community most young black men either want to be a rapper or want something to do with rap at some point unless they're playing basketball or football or something like that those are our role models but you can't get this to, the, to these people. They won't accept it because they, they're afraid of condemning hip-hop because at some point they feel like they're condemning the black community or they're going to come out, come off as racist, which they're counterproductive to what the real work that needs to be done. Act like that and behave like that. Like if, if all these rappers are your, your role model, then you want to be like them. You want to be cool too. So in the end, it's about like the people that are packaging the music and sometimes it's about trend. is what people want to hear. The American dream is only for white people. 
<laughs> I believe that the American dream is only for white people because it says equal. And when we talk about equal, there's no equality between um, the 1%, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Trumps, and the people who really run um, the media and things of that nature. So he's talking about a subsection of white people. He's not even talking about all white people. Look, you don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire to have the American dream. That's not even what the American dream is about. The American dream is simple. The American dream is I want to be able to buy a piece of property, put a house on it, and I want to own some land. I want to own a piece of property. And I want to be able to raise my family, and I want to be able to have you know some integrity in my work. I want to be able to have a job that I can provide food for my family and a place to live and be left alone. I, don't, I, I want the freedoms that's afforded to me that's in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And that's that simple. Like, you know, and there are black people who have that. There are black people who have that. So for black people growing up in America and living in America, we could become rich, we could become wealthy, but we are not on the equal playing field of white America. So neither is white America with Asian Americans. We don't see white people on the panel complaining about Asians are best. They're receiving the American dream at higher rates than they are because they're getting richer, they have more wealth, or whatever the case may be. It's like, what you get is always going to look worse when you compare it to somebody doing better. But just because you're here and they're there doesn't mean here is an awful place until you get there. The system of white supremacy, which is in the law enforcement, which is in the uh, judicial system, which is in the prison industrial association, also in the politics, um, we are not equal in any of those terms. When I was back there, when you were speaking, I, I started thinking like, could we ever actually, as black people have the American dream here in America? I have the American dream right now. I'm not rich, I'm not super wealthy, but I provide for my family. I go to work. I work hard. I'm able to pursue my dreams. You know, I own a piece of property. Like, okay. And I don't, I don't know if we really can being, I'm trying to be careful with my words, but I, I do think there needs to be a, a degree of separatism. Like black people, we really need to have our, our own segregation um, to, to fully take part in that dream. This is their system. Yeah. Why would we dream of being equal in a system that wasn't designed for us? When he says their system, most white people throughout history have been poor. Most white people throughout history have not enjoyed the, the, the super wealthy, the super luxurious lifestyles. That, that just is a myth. It's not true. Like you said, he's talking about the very select few minority, which throughout all history, even if you look at Africa, there's always been a select few of people who get most of the benefits of that society and the other people don't. That's a human flaw. It has nothing to do with white and black because even white people in America are poor. Even white people in America suffer, struggle, and they're probably making the same thing. I want Trump money or I want the Rothschilds money. They, they, they probably want the same things. That doesn't mean that they don't have the American dream. That's not what the American dream is, to be rich. It's not. It's to be able to pursue your dreams and without hindrance. And now, if, you, if you're saying you're being hindered, then somebody is getting in your way. By all means, fight against it.
I'm 100% for that. But this whole idea, like, until we have the same level of whatever with white people, then we'll never have the American dream. I'm not just buying that. I'm not. The American dream, at least the way that I define it, is, you know, freedom of opportunity, freedom to choose what I what I want to do, freedom to acquire wealth the same way that anybody else can. Um, obviously, we're fighting the tides of time on that uh, and and our circumstances, but it's hard because it's, it's hard to honor that, but then also want more for myself. And I think that as black people, we're always teeter-tottering on that line of like, well, am I American? Like, do I get the American dream or do I... Do we just tear all this shit down and build something new? Speak for yourself, bro. White people are not the only people entitled to the American dream ever. And I think that that's why we're all here, because our ancestors made it so that we can stand here and pursue that American dream. I wouldn't have been here if it meant that it was not for everyone. I wouldn't have even entered America. You know, I feel like not just African, but other people as well in different countries. And from what I have seen, I've seen other people even Africans and African-Americans succeeding in their own way. And that's why I feel like, like you said, you can interpret the American dream in a different way, whatever industry or whatever it is that you're focusing on, because there is a level of opportunity there. There is some way that you can be successful. You know, talking about Trevor Noah, you know, who took over The Daily Show, it wouldn't have been possible for him coming in as an African. He got his American dream. It made us as well, other Africans, believe that it is possible. The American dream writes his check. Oh, Lord, we got one of them. Yeah, this uh, this guy's older than the rest of them, so he's coming at it from a different perspective. But see, he thinks American dream is rich. And even if he won't admit that, that's really what it's coming for. He he wishes that black people had Elon Musk, Musk money or Jeff Bezos money or like, you know what I'm saying? He, he's thinking the conspiratorial, like, you know, the Illuminati, like the people behind the people, behind the people. Like, that's what I'm getting from this guy. So he gets to have wealth or whatever it is that he's experiencing, but the American dream is the one who writes his check, not him. What the? That's stupid. I agree with you. <laughs> no, we don't agree with him. Is anybody going to call this man? That's stupid, sir. I probably wouldn't say that in his face like that because out of respect, but I would say that makes no sense. That really makes no sense. But do you see how we would put it as he had his American dream, even though someone writes his check. But for him or for some of us looking at it on the other side, that's his American dream because his goal was to get there. The biggest cultural shock I saw coming here was definitely the lifestyle because the lifestyle I saw of America, especially Los Angeles, was portrayed as a very rich lifestyle. And of course, I came here as a, school, as a student and coming here, living here and seeing the reality of it, seeing different homeless people, disadvantaged people, was really a cultural shock for me because I didn't expect to see that. And I guess also the way people were handling each other because coming in as an African, I thought people were together. But since being here, I saw that there was a huge divide, or there is still a huge divide within the African-American community themselves. If he had stayed in, uh, in South Africa, would he have the same opportunity that he had here? No. No. Like, you know, so corporate is writing his check, but like us growing up, the reason we move here is because we don't have it better back home. Like, me, like for me, I'm the first person ever in my family in America. Everybody else is back home. Everybody's depending on me. All of them, my mom, she's dying to come here. See, that's what they don't get. 
Listen to this and listen well. The people who appreciate the American dream the most are the people who don't live in America. Now, of course, there are going to be people who hate America. There are going to be people who don't want to come to America. I'm not saying America is the best place to be out of to everyone. But I'm saying if you listen to a lot of immigrants who come over here, they're seeing something that the people here aren't even seeing, especially the African-Americans. Like I say, perception, perspective. I would think it would be healthy for a lot of African-Americans to go to some of these countries and live, live there for a year and then come back. Maybe they'll have a different perspective. And I didn't even go to Africa. I don't, I've never been to Africa. And I can still see the perspective. It might be a level of intelligence. It might be uh, open-mindedness. It might be I pay attention to certain things that other people don't. But I've always been able to see a whole picture type of deal. Whereas some people only see what's right in front of them or what somebody else told them. Like she was willing to do anything just for her to be in America. So for me, when I look at those like little thing, I'm like, yeah, American dream is for everybody, you know? Like, yeah, we might not have the same opportunity as the white people, but there's still that little chance that a lot of us back home are willing to take just to get here. I trust law enforcement. <laughs> I don't have a thing to say. All right, can the disagree a step forward? I can guarantee you 100%. I promise you, with every fiber in my being, if somebody jumped in their house and tried to rob them, I guarantee you every single last one of them would call the police. Every single last one of them would call the police because they trust that the police are going to come there to try to defend them or to put their life at risk to stop the robber. Now, somebody could argue, and I'm always trying to think of like the, the alternative where somebody would argue against me. And somebody might say, well, you don't have to trust them to call them because it's necessary. You have to call the police because they're the only ones who can legally use force, and that's the only way to do it. But I can promise you, there's a level of trust in the police. Even if you look statistically, it's better to have police than to not have police. I got married to a young lady who did 15 years in prison for a robbery she didn't commit. I myself was incarcerated for six months for a burglary that I couldn't have committed because I was in prison. So in 1987, I'm doing um, 19 months in prison. When I came home in 1988, I was given a burglary charge and I had to sit six months. And the judge did not kick it out because there's no way I could have done it. He kicked it out because they didn't serve me the warrant while I was in prison. So I, I don't trust them. They lie and they do things and, and it affects our people. So many people I know who have been wrongfully arrested, wrongfully convicted, and they actually lie on the stand. So there's no trust. As you guys know, I am from Richmond, Virginia. It was the cap. I could hop on, the, on his uh, antidotal evidence, but I'm not really going to do that, right? Because... Sometimes people will say your evidence is antidotal and it doesn't necessarily apply to the broadband. But the question they ask here is, do you trust law enforcement? He gave his reasons why he don't trust law enforcement. And I mean, I can't take that away from him. Right. Like there you, you can like your parent could mistreat you really bad one time and that can cause you to despise your parent forever. Like you can't really, you know, take that away from somebody. You can you can point out the reasons why he should probably gain 
trust and show him all the different examples of like, you know, law enforcement being the good guys and helping. But at the same time, some people, when they've been scarred personally, it's hard for them to step outside of themselves. And that's perfectly reasonable. It's a, it's a human condition. Of the Confederate, uh, I have been brutally abused by the police there. Like personally, I was at the river on the 4th of July. I don't smoke. I don't do none of that. The police come and arrest me because I look like a drug dealer. Like they like arrested me. What? The yeah, I, then uh, when I was in high school, my senior year, my father went to jail over a car accident, a oh. car accident. And I was left alone at 17 years old. I was grateful. Uh, one of my teachers took me in and like raised me. I, 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 I try to stay away from the police as much as possible. First of all, they're human beings. And I, I think that just because you put a badge on, doesn't, that doesn't magically bewitch you with like integrity and um, a desire to actually help the people around you. I think a lot of times police culture comes from police families. It comes from like legacy lines and this whole like kind of like culture about stuff. I mean, I don't trust them any more than I would trust any other person. They haven't earned that necessarily, especially not as an institution in its purest form. I think it's necessary, but um, they have a lot of living up to that. All right, here's the issue. You can't let the bad cops make it worse for all cops. Yeah, like you said, they're human. There are going to be people who get into law enforcement with the wrong intentions, people with the right intentions who are going to make mistakes or was having a bad day and did the wrong thing. Yeah, they're human, right? And we should hold them to a higher standard than we hold everybody else. For one, we pay them. If you pay taxes, you pay the police. Their job is to serve and protect. Right. So I get the level of intolerance when it comes to, yo, you're here to do a service and to protect. We don't need you making these mistakes, especially on the public. Fully understood. But you're never going to fix that problem because of the fact is until you have robots or something like that on the streets, humans are going to be that way. You're going to find some humans with a level of culpability, a level of flaws, and it comes with the territory. But you have to look at the overall picture. Is law enforcement overall a good thing? Have they saved multiple lives? Do they put bad people away? Like, they're, yeah, innocent people get caught in the crossfire. Innocent people get wrongfully accused. And sometimes the law is brutal for the wrong reasons. But overall, we have to look at that picture. And I, I don't think that we give enough credit because policing itself is a hard thing to do. To do and to make up for if they're going to be uh, trusted. I've seen law enforcement here on social media and seeing how they treat people of color, you know, from like hitting them. I mean, George Floyd, you know, rest in peace. But just seeing that from my experience being here, I was scared. You know, This is why the media is a big part of why people feel the way they feel. They're going to show you the things that trigger you. They're going to show you things that piss you off. They're not going to show you the countless amount of good faith efforts or good deeds that our law enforcement does on a day-to-day -day basis. They're only going to show you those bad interactions. And even they're going to skew that information because there are bad interactions with white people and other races as well. But they're going to show you the ones that know we're going to piss people off and trigger people. And you're getting a biased perspective.
you know, like every time I'd see a cop car pass by, I'm like, okay, I better make sure I'm driving okay, you know, because I don't want to be stopped or make sure you're not in any harm's way, you know. But it's sad to feel that, to feel that pressure every time you see a cop going by. And even if they're trying to help, but I wouldn't even want that help because of what I've been seeing on social media, you know, and also seeing the case of people being wrongfully, you know, um, taken to prison, that's like unfair. Like what type of research are you doing before you arrest people? And I immediately thought about the history of the police too, just I, I just want the people who think that the police are doing such a bad job to become police officers. Show us how it's done. Prove to me that you would have all the same discretion that you wouldn't have any other flaws as a police officer. There are so many people upset about the way the police are then we should have enough people signing up for the people to be police officers and show these people how it's done. Change it all up. Show us the stats on how you just completely turned everything around. Tracing that back to slave patrols, which mm -hmm. oh, became Lord. our modern day police departments. And oh, the fact that like if you have a felony, you can't vote. Like that to me is like talk about the loss of the American dream. Like you should, you are a citizen of this country. You should always have a right to vote. You reneged your right to vote and to participate. In the in 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 society, when you go out and victimize society, when you go out and you harm society, when you break that covenant, societies break down if there is no law and order. You broke the law. You went out and you victimized somebody. You lose the right to participate in that society because you have shown yourself not to be a team player. Now. Should there be a level of redemption? Of course, before I go a little further. There should always be a level of redemption. If you went out and you committed a crime, you served your time to society, you've shown that you've rehabilitated, and you've gotten to a point where, like, yo, look, I'm a model citizen, and I'm doing the right thing. I'm willing to rejoin society and do my part. By all means, there should be a ladder to redemption. And in the cases, there are. There are people who can get their records expunged, and a lot of people just don't even take those steps. And if you could argue that maybe the, the 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 time frame or what it takes to get to that level is too too complicated or too harsh, then we can look at changing those things. But there should be a level of debt that you have to pay to society before you can just be welcomed back as a full citizen. We are obsessed with race in America. I think that word obsessed is such an interesting word. And I think that the way that that question is framed is almost as if it's like the onus is on us. Like we're obsessed with race too much. Like no white people are obsessed with race in this country. They've made their laws based on it. They've cast us out because of it. They've That's not what the question was. The question is we are obsessed with race in this country. That means everybody in the country. And yes, we are all obsessed with race in this country. Even the people who don't want to participate find themselves being forced to participate. <laughs> like destroyed entire groups of people because of it so i mean we're just living in the ripple effects of the stones that were cast in the pond of history no, so we're no. just reacting to it so you're in control of your reaction we would rather just be human beings and american citizens and i don't believe that by one second there are some people who are willing to just be human beings and treat other people like human beings there are some people all they think about is race some people they breathe they eat it they poop it they pee it that's all they think about is race and if you try to take that away from them, they, they, they wouldn't go without kicking the screen. You know, people that are pursuing an American dream, we'd rather not have to think about race, but that we did not draw first blood on that.
what else do you expect? Yeah, like, I mean, history, I'm not like, obsessed. There you go, you the history. <laughs> For me, being in America, give me an opportunity to, like, meet and, like, discover so many different culture that I would uh, never see if I was in my country. I would just, like, maybe hear about it on the news. Yes, I agree. I think they are very obsessed with race. Even when you do, like, an easy application, like, it doesn't matter what application you do. They, they want to know your race. They want to know, you know, why they don't have a category for Africans, exactly. you know? <laughs> race is a way to identify somebody if you saw them. Like, they're going to say, what, did they, what are you... Are you five, six? Do you have black hair? Are you brown? Are you white? Are you Hispanic? Like it's a it's an identity marker, right? It's like okay. Not only that, but the reason that they have these little check boxes is because a lot of this can help a lot of black people get jobs and get into colleges and things like that because of the 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 affirmative action quotas and things like that, the diversity and stuff like that. So like if you took that off, then maybe some people wouldn't even be where they at right now. Do I like it? I don't know. We live in a, a in a very diverse country. Uh, maybe race shouldn't be on these applications. I'm not sure. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who want to be identified as their race so they can receive whatever benefits that their country has given them because they are black. They want to know everything. The thing that pissed me off the most is that when they see you and they'll be like, oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? Like, who cares where I'm from? Just sell me this thing and let me keep going. <laughs> and then when you told them that you're African, they'll be like, what country? Yeah, they, they, they're so obsessed with where you're from. That's natural. They'll ask you that if you like from New York and you come to the South and you got a, a, a up North accent or you know, like, they'll say, oh, man, where you from? Oh, I'm from Jersey. Or I'm from, you know, New York. Like, they'll ask you. It's be like, oh, like, cool. Like, I know some people up here or whatever the case may be. Oh, I never met somebody from here. What's it like there? Like, that's just conversational. That's just people. She's like Wakanda. Like, <laughs> I don't believe that there is an obsession about race in America. I believe that race is a distraction to hide the power, the wealth, and the access to it. it so is. a lot of times there's something put... Somebody get this man a million dollars. ...on the table, like a rock being thrown, and I hold my hand, and that's the racism between black and whites, between blacks and Hispanic, and other cultures have come here. We'll talk about race just so that we don't have access to the power and the wealth, and I think it's done on purpose. There's a, a power that allows <laughs> us to talk about race if we don't look past it. I do think that a lot of times that we are focused on race is because it keeps us divided. And while there is a level of division that people in power want us to have so that they can continuously do what they're doing without people paying attention to it, there's a lot of distractions going on. So while I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that uh, it's about, you know, power is necessarily about the people who are already in power being able to do what they need to do without people paying attention to it. Some of the question prompts that I see differently. And then when I hear somebody say that, I'm like, mm, that actually makes sense coming from their perspective. So it's been really beautiful having this conversation with you guys. You guys are very knowledgeable and I've learned <laughs> a whole lot from each and every one of you today. Going into this with, it's funny because I haven't learned anything. And look, I'm not, everybody's in a different place, but I haven't learned anything from this. Like, this is not even a deep, like a deep dive conversation. Uh, I've, you know, 
Like there were there were very little that I didn't know in middle school that they're talking about. Like the title of the series, like African versus African American. I think that like people were gonna come in thinking that we were gonna be like guns blazing, but this is such a beautiful Nobody display of unity. I I love it. It like gave me so much life today. Nobody thought that. All right, Charles. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed that. I gave my feedback. Um, took me well, about an hour, a little less than an hour, honestly, because I had to give my little prelude before we got into the video and started that. But that was exciting. I, I'm really curious to see what y'all think about it. Um, do y'all think that the Africans had a point? Do you think the African-Americans had a point? Do we focus too much on race? Did I get some things wrong? Do you disagree with me? And what do you feel like uh, we should draw the line on race in America? And like with anything, you know, it's always open for discussion. That's what it's all about. I have my thoughts on these things and you should have your thoughts on it. We don't always have to agree on everything, but discussion is there to be had. And that's the most important thing. So I appreciate y'all taking the time to, you know, watch this video with me, hear my feedback. And I hope to hear from y'all and see what y'all thoughts are. And, you know, a lot coming. I hope y'all enjoy your holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. And I definitely will be seeing y'all soon. Take care. Take care. Each and every single one of you. Peace and glory. I'm out. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.